Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Heart of Sports. I'm Jason Springer, along with my co-host this week, Jeff Cohen. We are here in studio, ready to talk about sports on 610 AM Sports ESPN Radio. We're back and ready to help you start your weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff Rutberg is actually out this week, supporting his daughter at the Special Olympics of New Jersey, uh, the Summer Games at the College of New Jersey in Ewing. You'd like to support these great athletes. The events are Saturday and Sunday from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And the opening ceremonies are at Lions Stadium on campus with the start at 7 p.m. tonight. It looks like good weather for it. Everybody should head out if they can. It looks like a great weekend of weather for them. And uh, we wish them all the best of luck and uh, hope they get everything out of competing that, that they aim to achieve. Jeff, there are now 90 days until the start of football season. Are you excited? No. <laughs> uh, you picked the worst day to say this. 90 it, degree weather is not going to 90 degrees. You? It's going to be warmer than that this I'm not weekend. a weatherman. I it's, do a sports show. It's not football season yet. There's, Ask my wife. I don't check the weather. There's still a smidge of basketball. Okay. There, there's a still smidge. a couple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's still two two hockey games probably. Okay. And there's still a whole baseball season. There's definitely more sports to go on. If the callers would like to join in on any of those topics, they can join us at 888 728 9941. To start the show, though, uh, we're excited to be joined by Deputy Managing Editor of NHL.com, Adam Kimmelman, to talk a little bit about hockey with us. Uh, Adam, did you get to bed early after the way that that game turned out last night? Uh, yeah, it was uh, kind of easy to jump out of that game a little bit just because the way things went. But, uh, you know, despite what happened, I still think there's a chance we get, a, we get to a seventh game. I, I'm not ready to completely rule out the Predators yet and say this series is over. I still think, you know, they've been very good at home. I think there's a lot more left for that team to give. So let's talk a little bit about the series before last night. Uh, teams have held serve at home. The crowd in Nashville, can we talk about that for a second? That's spectacular. As a sports fan, I love seeing what they have going down there. Well, absolutely. It's not, it's so great to see how that community has embraced that team. You know, they're for most of the year, they're really the only pro sports game in town. So, you know, the country music stars have gotten into it, and that seems to drive the bus down there. And, you know, the fans, just 50,000 people on Broadway outside the stadium, outside the arena. You know, I had people that on our NHL.com staff tweeting out that they could hear the music and the party from outside the building while they were inside writing their stories. So, you know, that I've never heard of that before. So that tells you the passion of, of the fans there. And, yes, it certainly helps that they're in the Stanley Cup Finals, but these people were were really into it from the beginning. They sold out all 41 games during the all 41 home games during the regular season, and it's just continued to build and continued to build as the as the playoffs have gone on. They even got a packed house last night for the game in Pittsburgh to watch the game on the big screen. That's the enjoyable part about that team. Absolutely, you know, you don't see that in every market, even at this time of year. You know, like I said, the fans have jumped on board, and and it's a wonderful symbiotic relationship you know you've got some really fun interesting players with some big personalities you know pk suban chief among them but you know they're a very watchable team they play an up-tempo attacking style they're fun to watch and like i said the fans have just jumped right on board adam i have two this is jeff cohen i have two questions for you the the first one pk suban what is the issue with him in the nhl that everybody seems to be rubbed the wrong way you know, I can't speak for everybody's opinion, but but my opinion of PK is he is 100% of of what's right and what the NHL needs. They need more guys with that sort of personality, that sort of you know the way he just 
you just see the way he carries himself. He carries himself like a star. And, you know, between the, the great play on the ice, the way he, he is so active and giving in the community, you saw it in Montreal, he's done it a little bit in Nashville. Um, you know, the energy, the enthusiasm, the love of the game, the way he plays, the fun he seems to be having. See, you I, know, I don't, I, I don't see a lot of guys play with that. I mean, look, those guys all, they're doing their dream job. They're playing in the National Hockey League. They're getting paid to play hockey for a living. So they all love it. But PK is one of the guys who shows how much fun it is for him. And that's, to me, that, that's contagious. That, you know, fans see that, teammates see that. And it makes everything a lot better. So, you know, I know that PK has his detractors. You know, they don't like the, the celebration or they see, you know, he's a me-first guy. I don't see any of that. I think he's great for the game. I think if we had pl- a lot more players like PK Subban, the league would be even better than it already is. See, I, I thought so, too. And I, I've heard the stories about how PK gave, I think, $10 million to a hospital, children's hospital in Montreal right before they traded him, and he didn't understand why. But but I heard Mike Milbury say yesterday that that PK deserved it when Sidney Crosby was show, was pounding his face into the ice, <laughs> and, and I just you couldn't know, figure uh, out what what the issue was that that this guy who appears to be a star appears to do all the right things for some reason there are people in the NHL community who have an issue with him. Yeah, I I can't speak to what Milbury said but you know there's you know there's different eras and Mike is is from his own era where you know things were a lot more buttoned up a lot more conservative and you know the approach was different than it is now today's athlete you know is different than the athlete in the 1960s and the 1970s even when Milbury coached in the 80s and 90s so it's different now and it's like it's like everything else. You know, it's why Baskin-Robbins has 31 flavors. Some people like vanilla. Some people like chocolate. Some people like strawberry. It, you know, to each his own. But, you know, Mike can have his opinion. Mine, though, is P.K. Subban is great for the game. He's great for hockey. And so, I'm glad he's got a national stage to showcase, you know, all the good things about him. So so here's my other question. With regard to the, the Nashville's goalie issue, um, mm-hmm. I'm assuming Pekka Rinning is going to stand on his head. And he's going to have a great game down in Smashville. So, and, and and then what are they going to do for Game Seven? Well, I think you absolutely have to ride Renee, despite you know everything that's happened to him in the first you know three games he's gotten to play in Pittsburgh, and, and even longer out than that. He, I don't, I think I read somewhere he's won. He's never won a game in Pittsburgh. Uh, but look, he's your guy. He's gotten you this far. You don't give up on that now, regardless of what's happened. You know. I just think that at some point it's gonna it's gonna change, and and I don't know how many of those goals you can pin on him, you know, in games one, two, and 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 five. I, I mean, you know, he he was hung out to dry a lot. The, if you go back and you rewatch that first period, it looked like a track meet in the Nashville end of the ice. You know, the Predators couldn't get anything going. It looked the beginning of game five looked very similar to the beginning of game one and game two where Pittsburgh just overwhelmed them with their speed, their size, and their skill, their forecheck. Nashville couldn't handle it. Defensive breakdowns, uh, you know, mental mistakes, physical mistakes. And, and you know, unfortunately, Pekka Rene has to bear the brunt of that. Now, I'm not saying all those goals were, you know, uh, cheapies and, and, and should be, you know, held, not held against him. He's got to make a save here somewhere. But I don't think you can look at – you can watch that game and make an honest assessment – and pin everything on the goaltender. 
you know, he's been that good for that many years, even, you know, beyond this playoff run. Um, you know, to me, he absolutely has to be the guy in game six. And if they win it, he has to be the guy in game seven. He was dominant in games three and four. He gave up two goals in 119 minutes. And then I go to give my son a bath last night and he give up two goals in six minutes and 43 seconds. And I turn on the TV and they're already down and there just wasn't any recovering. The, the home team really has dominated in this series. They're outscoring the road team by 18 goals so far. What can Nashville do um, to make sure that that happens and they extend this into a game seven and get back to Pittsburgh? Well, I think it's it, you go back to what they did right in games three and four, and they didn't do right in games one and two. They got to come out of the box with a little bit more fire. They have to be smarter with the puck in the defensive zone. They got to get it out faster. Uh, you know, it's it's little basic things that, for whatever reason, they've done at home in this series, but they haven't been able to do in the road games. And you know, look, they knew going into this series they had to win at least one game in Pittsburgh, and you know they've done well playing at home. Now they need to take that game on the road to uh, they got to bring get back to that home style in game six and then take that home feeling with them to Pittsburgh for game seven if they're able to get there uh, you know they've done it to this point at, at Bridgestone Arena there's no reason to think they can't do it one more time one more time so so Adam we've talked a little bit about uh, Nashville how good is this Pittsburgh Penguins team well you know they're the defending Stanley Cup champions for a reason you know they didn't get here through charm and good looks you know, any team that can run out, you know, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Phil Kessel, you know they're going to be a very good team. Malkin didn't uh, get here on his good looks? <laughs> <laughs> um, I make no judgment on anybody else's looks. i got to face for radio. I mean, so, I mean, but I, I just think that they're, they're – look, they're a very good – they're an excellent team. They, you know, there's no secrets there how they like to play, what they like to do. But I, I'm not prepared to say this – the series is over. I think there's still a real good chance we get to a Game 7. Was there a reaction from the NHL or anybody that you saw to the Crosby-Subban exchange? They've kind of gone back and forth all series. And the last night with Crosby bouncing his head off the ice a couple times, did anybody have any reaction to that besides Mike Melberry, of course, that we've discussed? Uh, well, you know, I, I saw I didn't see a lot of the, the post-game stuff, but I saw uh, Crosby's comments that I guess Subban had him in some kind of he, I guess Sid called it a UFC style ankle lock. I, I don't know. And <laughs> look, it was it, it was you know it was what it was, and and you know both players got penalized, and you know that's what the referees and and the officials deemed you know uh, deemed worthy of that incident, and and any, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But you know it's not it, it, the visual of it didn't look good, and you know hopefully we don't get anything like that again. Is, is the league office going to do anything further about it? Uh, that's the up to the NHL the Department of Player Safety. They make all those decisions, and you know the only thing that that they've released publicly to this point is that the uh, match penalty against um, the Nashville player uh, Colton Sissons has been rescinded, and he won't be suspended. He'll be available to play Game Six. Cool. Um, so okay, we're headed to a Game Six. We will obviously keep watching. Uh, have you back on after it's all over to talk about it? But a few weeks ago, you were at. Uh, the draft camp, right? You've been watching some of the prospects. We're coming up to the draft in a few weeks. Uh, Jeff Cohen and I are huge Flyers fans. What should we be looking out for? What did you see out of the camp that, that opened your eyes a little bit? Well, the scouting combine, they brought in 100 and I believe it was 104 of the top prospects for the 2017 draft. And I think the real, the, the most important part to the teams is 
They get to meet the players. They get to meet the people that they're going to potentially be drafting into their organization. You know, they have scouts who have all spent all year watching these players. You know, they know what kind of hockey players they are. They know what they can do on and on the ice, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. They want to meet the people and see what kind of people they're potentially bringing into their organization. And in the case of the Flyers, you know, Ron Hextall, they have the number two pick. He met with both Nolan Patrick and Nico Heischer, who, you know, projected to they're going to get at least one of they're going to get one of those guys you know whichever one most likely New Jersey doesn't take at number one so they got a good handle on you know what kind of people they would potentially be adding to the organization you know it's really kind of up in the air still what New Jersey's going to do we did our mock drafts on NHL.com on Sunday and um, myself I believe they're going to take Nolan Patrick which would leave Nico Heischer for the Flyers which is fine you know He's not. I think he's six one, about 178 pounds. So he needs to get a little bit stronger. But he's a great skater, elusive, creative in the offensive zone. He's defensively responsible. His GM in, in Halifax at the Quebec League called him their best defensive player, which is saying a lot for a guy who's in his first season in North America after playing in Switzerland, you know, his whole life. So that would be fine, you know, if it's Nolan Patrick. He's bigger. He's six two, over 200 pounds, a real thick-bodied, you know, playmaking center. A little more physical, a little more, you know, able to crash and bang in the corners and in front of the net if you need it, but also very defensively responsible. I believe he patterned his game after Jonathan Taves, which is, you know, a nice person to, to kind of model your game after. And, again, he, you know, the, the the drawback to Patrick, and I know he was just in Philly a couple of days ago getting checked out by the Flyers medical people, he missed a big chunk of the season because of an undiagnosed sports hernia that he sustained last year during the Western Hockey League playoffs. Um, it limited him. He only played 33 games, and there was questions of how healthy he was even in those games. But he still averaged, you know, more than 1.3 points per game. He Wait. still was voted the best pro prospect in in the Canadian Hockey League. And if he ends up at number two, he'd be just as good for the Flyers. So, so Adam, if if we if the Flyers had the number one pick, who right. who would be best for the Flyers if the Flyers had their choice? Well, I think you take the best player available, and to me, that's Nolan Patrick. And okay, it's a good thing Jeff Upberg isn't in studio because he does not like injured Philadelphia players after being <laughs> scarred by the Sixers. So I don't know how we would feel about this. Can we talk a little bit about the goaltending in the system for the Flyers? Uh, we still search for that elusive goaltender. You read reports. I have no idea if they're true that um, Las Vegas may be interested in Neuwirth as a goalie in the expansion draft. Can you talk about what's in the system for the Flyers and if they're going to be drafting any goalies in this draft, you think? Well, you know, I would assume, you know, I, I hate to say that they won't draft a goalie because I didn't think they would draft one two years ago. And they took Carter Hart from Everett in the Western League, and he's been the best goaltender in the Canadian Hockey League probably the past two seasons. Um, you know, they have, he, he's an How outstanding young prospect. He is 19. Um, I believe he'll be able to play in the American League next season. I think he'll be 20 in time to play in the American League next season. Uh, he is definitely a viable option moving forward. Felix Sandstrom is another player. He's a little bit bigger. I believe he's 6'3". He's a Swedish player. Uh, both Hart started for Canada and Sandstrom started for Sweden in the World Junior Championships. Those guys are both top-notch prospects. Um, they have a few others, but I, I think those two guys are really – the ones they're banking on, one of them hopefully to emerge, you know, three, four years from now as their oh. go-to number one guy. Goaltenders take longer to develop, you know, it, it, and you can't rush it because if you do, 
you won't you're you're sabotaging yourself. Guys won't reach their full potential. They also have Anthony Stolarz and Alex Line in the American League. You know, Line is a guy who was a late bloomer. They signed him out of Yale at the end of uh, two seasons ago. Had a good season, good first pro season, but he was the best goaltender in college hockey when they signed him. You know, he got good experience in the American League. Wouldn't be surprising if Stolarz or Lyon was in the running for at least one of the NHL jobs next season. I don't know what the Flyers are going to do at the NHL level. You know, they have Nyberg signed, but they do need to leave a goalie exp- exposed in the expansion draft. They might protect Stolarz and leave Nyberg exposed. I'm not sure what the plan is there right now. So there's going to be an option. They will have a different look to their goaltending. I don't expect them to come back with Nyberg and Mason next season. Mm-hmm. So there's going to have a different look, but I can't predict what that look could be right now. With regard to this expansion draft, do you expect the Flyers to lose anybody else of importance? Um, you know, I think they're in a good spot as far as who they can and can't protect. You know, they signed Shane Gossespierre, which is, you know, one less thing to have to worry about today. Um, you know, I, I think they'll probably protect five forwards and three defensemen. They'll opt for that, and, you know, they'll protect the goaltender. But the guys who they won't have to protect, I don't think there's anybody that – and this is this is straight from Ron Hextall. There's nobody they potentially could lose that they can't live without. So I think they're in good shape that way. Boy, how do you feel if you're a player that's not protected? <laughs> I guess they're saying they can live without you. Um, any surprises that you would expect in terms of when the team comes in next year, it seems like a lot of their older defensemen they're not going to renew – going to have some of the younger players coming up from the system. Who do you think that we will see here next season? Well, I think whoever they take it with the number two pick, whether it's Patrick or Heischer, I think we'll have a really good chance of being on the team next year. I think you're going to really start to see the migration of some of the top prospects in Lehigh Valley that we've heard about. Saw a little bit of Robert Haig, saw a little bit of Sam Marin, saw a little bit of Anthony Stolarz, although with his injury, I'm not quite sure how that's going to settle itself out. Um, you know, Travis Sanheim is going to have a chance to make the team another defenseman. Uh, Philip Philippe Myers, uh, uh, who they signed out of the Quebec League, had two excellent seasons. He might need some American League seasoning, but he's another guy to, to keep an eye out for. Oscar Lindblom, a uh, Swedish forward, who they just signed to an entry-level contract. He's going to come over. He's got a real good chance to earn a roster spot in Philadelphia next year. So I think you're going to see a younger team. I think you're going to see a few new faces. I think this is going to be kind of the culmination of a few really good drafts in a row that they've had, and I think they've kind of let these guys grow a little bit longer in whatever developmental system they're in and and to to get to this point to where they can start now plugging these guys into the lineup. Well, we truly appreciate you coming on and joining us. We'll make sure to follow up with you after the draft and after the finals end. Hope you get a little break after the season ends. Uh, Thanks so much for giving us your take, and have a great weekend, Adam. Thanks, guys. Take Thanks, it easy. Adam. All right, Jeff. Do you feel better about the Flyers? A little bit, except for the goalie situation. The, the, the thought like that the we have to go for another four years. The, I'd, I'd bring this guy from Yale up. They need to see something different. If they want. If the Flyers want everybody to be excited, they're going to have to try something different. They can't come back with Steve Mason again. All right, well, why don't you take us to break, and then we'll talk more when we come back. All right, when we come back, we'll be discussing more. We'll talk a little bit about baseball, and we'll talk a little bit uh, about Jeff, who is uh, phoning it in today. Sounds good. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey. 
those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. Hey, great to be back with you on the Heart of Sports on 610 AM Sports. I'm Jeff Cohen along with Jason Springer. Jeff Rutberg is off this week representing the heart of sports at the New Jersey Special Olympics. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the show. And we do wish his daughter and all the athletes the best of luck. Okay, Jeff, when we last left you, the Phillies were struggling. They were challenged. Uh, Do you feel better this week after a little bit of a hot start in June? They won four in a row before losing their last two. Are you excited? I would have been a little more excited if we taped the show or did the show on a Wednesday instead of a Friday. So before those two losses, they got you down a little bit? Yeah. Um, I don't know what's wrong with Eikhoff. I mean, I really expected him to be a bulldog, and, and he is really struggling this year. And I expected he him to be the guy to pull them out of any type of uh, free fall. And instead, he seems to be the guy at the beginning of most of these free falls. But I did see a couple good things this week. Yeah, so tell us about what did you see. We we try not to always let the news get us down, even though it's the Phillies' record. We try to give like a full take of what's going on. So let's talk the good of what you saw this week first. Well, first we got Oduble, who's living up to his name and hitting lots of doubles. A lot of doubles. Yeah, I mean, I think he's up to now 12 extra base hits in a row without a single. So before the hot streak, he had been benched in three out of his four last four games. So maybe mm-hmm. he got the message because he's his last 12 hits have been extra base hits with 10 doubles in six games. He's now on pace for 62 doubles. Only four players have ever had more in the season. Well, I think what we're seeing with him is is he's now straightened out a swing. So I don't know if it could be one of two things. It, it could be that he was swinging for the fences, and that that often leads to bad things. And now that he's just starting to ease up and be a gap hitter, that's what he is. If he thinks he's hitting 30 home runs a year, he's just going to end up in a disaster state. If he if he's a line drive spray hitter. He's going to be effective, and that's what he has been the last week or so. Last night he tied a Philly record with a double in his sixth consecutive game. The major league record is eighth, so we'll see whether he can keep that going. What else has you feeling upbeat, Jeff? Well, Ben Lively's had two starts that have been solid. They're not great, but that's kind of what I expected of Ben Lively. He's going to be one of those guys that can fight through and get double plays when he needs to. Uh, He's got decent fastball, decent movement, and he's had – two of the longest outings of the year for the Phillies. And Aaron Nola looked absolutely great in his start this week. Let's talk about Lively real fast. He's the first Phillies pitcher since Carlton Lower in 1998 to start his Major League Baseball career with back-to-back seven-inning starts. Mm-hmm. 
the Phillies starting pitchers have pitched more than six innings just 13 times this year. He's, he's got two, two of them. them. So, you know, you have to hope that, that he's something. We've got some other injuries on the team. What other arms are we looking at right now that are, are going to give us hope? From the minors, yeah. Well, we're gonna well the next the next guy up looks like he's going to be Tom Eshelman, who I'm taking. I'm going to take my son for his birthday to go see him tomorrow in Lehigh Valley. So you'll be texting me what's going on for sure. our listeners. Jeff texts me real time reports of what's going on down on the farm, <laughs> so that I know like you know big hits and what's going on, and um, this way I'm up on my minor league talk for when we come in studio. There you go. But and Eshelman is what he was the throw in the younger guy. Um, for the trade for Giles. So it was Velasquez, and then Eshelman was kind of that extra guy along with Oberholzer, but I try to forget him. <laughs> Everybody um, tries to forget some e- of those. Eshelman was, when he was in college, he was an accuracy ace. I mean, this guy would not walk anybody. And he has quickly moved up the ladder, and he is now in Triple A. He's had six starts. He's 4 0. And he's not walking anybody. And that's the kind of guy that McKinnon likes. I think that's the guy most managers want. Because even when Lively came up, he walked a couple guys. And, and that's not what you want to see. You want a guy to come in the game and get that first out. The last thing you want is these guys that come in and just walk people when they first get up. Oh, it's, it's, you, can't have, you can't be putting people on base. Okay, I have a question. Have you ever seen a bat delay before? I texted you about that last night. You too. did. That, that, that was one of the most amazing. Because we, we often talk about how he just swings out of his shoes. For our listeners who don't know, Mikel Franco was up to bat and swung so hard that he let his bat go. And it literally got stuck in the safety behind netting him. behind him. It, what, it, what, you know, usually when somebody's bat slips out of their hand, where do you see it go? You see it go down the line. Or, or you see it go out into the, the person like covering themselves. Right, he, he, get he swung so hard that he corkscrewed himself basically into the ground, and the bat ended up behind him through the net and got stuck there. And they had to delay the game for five minutes to bring out a ladder. They had people climbing on the net, like it, when they break the uh, the boards, uh, the glass in the, in an NHL, and right. they have a delay, and they bring out the ladder on the ice. But and, I don't think I've ever seen this before. But it just goes to show you. I mean, put some stick em on his hands because I don't understand how that happens. Can the Phillies keep playing the Braves? By the way, they're like five and two against them. Well, they were five and zero oh until as the last of Wednesday, two games. and then the last two games that it hasn't worked out well. So, so the win on Wednesday, they could just have R. A. Dickey pitch every game. The win on Wednesday saw the Phillies win two road games in a row for the first time all year. It was their 30th road game. I know. That's the season that we're in the middle of right now. Uh, well, we're not in the middle yet. Well, no, that's <laughs> the problem. We're not even in the middle yet. We're still in the beginning. Uh, I, look, this is. I hate to use the phrase trust the process. Oh, God. But it's not a process. If, if Jeff were here with us, he would be, oh, he'd be jumping down me your like Bart throat. Simpson right he, now. he does not want to hear you saying trust the process. No assets, no injured players. No, but. but he but, wants results. And we're so we, are, all, we all want results. We've had five years without any of our teams making the playoffs, but there's only so much you can do. I think right now the Phillies have a lot of guys that got to figure out who's going to play where. There's there's a whole bunch of guys that could play the outfield except Roman Quinn, who once again is out is injured. For the season. And so he's going to need surgery, right, on the UCL. It looks like he's getting a second like opinion with James. He's Andrews. made of glass. I mean, it's unfortunate. It's not. You can't blame the guy. He he tries hard, but he every year, and it's a different injury every year. It's never the same thing. It, you know, some people are just snake bitten. Okay, so Pat Neshek. Let's talk about him for a second. Uh, he earns his first save since 2015. 
He's allowed just two runs this year in 23 innings. 24 out of his 25 outings have been scoreless. Would you move him? Jeff Ruppberg, uh is not in studio with us, but he does not want to trade him, though he does joke that uh, quick trade him, he's an asset. Well, yeah, because he just he wanted to take the asset shot. But, but I, explain to me what the logic would be for keeping a middle-aged and middle reliever on a team that's not going to make the playoffs. Apparently, Jeff Ruppberg's calling in, so I can ask him the logic of keeping a middle-aged middle uh, reliever on the roster if All right. you'd like. Jeff, are you there? Yes, I am. So, Hi. So, so, Jeff, let's get this straight. You're literally phoning it in. <laughs> um, I'm, yes, I am. I'm phoning it in from, from uh, the Ewing, New Jersey area. So, yeah. I, so, okay, before we go into the Special Olympics, which we definitely want to talk about, we were talking about Pat Neshek real fast and how you joked that we should trade him fast. He's an asset, um, right. even though you don't really want to trade him. Jeff um, would like to trade him because he doesn't believe anything is happening in the next like twenty years for the Phillies. So let's twenty let's years. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one who's Mister Positive about the Phillies. Yeah, you're, you're extremely yeah. positive. Let me tell you, <laughs> um, Jeff. Why would you keep Pat Neshek on a team that uh, does not look like they have any chance of doing anything this year? Because they'll win some games with him. I mean, do you really want the Phillies to set a record for futility? They're I think they could do that with or without him. Well, I mean, he could he could get people out. Well, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just at the point where if he can get people out, does he need to be on this team? So, so <laughs> Jeff, do you, Jeff, do you think that he should be? The, look, McKinnon said yesterday that he's basically in love with this this guy who's a closer, Triple A, Jesse Theron. Um, okay. You do you want Nishak taking away from the development when you can get Nishak? You could probably get a low. A low A pitcher, a prospect that has some some potential in the future. Plus, you can let some of the guys that are on the farm come up and get some experience now. If they bring if they bring them up, but uh, oh, I think uh, is not bringing up uh, uh, people so fast. Oh, sure he is. I mean, look look how many people have started. They, ben no, Lively can't. Wait a second. They're bringing people well, up out of necessity with injuries. Okay, but they're not bringing them the, up because they want them to no, be on no, the roster. But in the, keep, to be fair to Clintac, in the past, the the Phillies have brought up every every time a pitcher gets in, injured, they bring up some thirty five to thirty eight year old guy that's down. Holding so that's space. the standard now that the no, old but, Phillies brought no. up somebody old, and now now they're br- now they're bringing up prospects. You, you say they're not. They brought up Ben Lively. Yes. They brought up Pavetta. Yes. So Eshelman will probably be next. Yes. They've tried Thompson. It hasn't worked. Give out. me somebody in the bullpen, please. Okay, well that's next. Okay, next. Okay, yeah. fine. And, and then then I have to work on uh, Franco. What uh, my my booze worked with Herrera. <laughs> now I got to work on on uh, Franco. <laughs> so if you boo him, do you think he'll stop getting his back caught in the net behind the plate to land yes, the game? Yeah. That worked, was ridiculous. Can we can yeah, we all admit that that was ridiculous? Like if there isn't any if there's nothing that says you're swinging too hard, it's that you <laughs> delayed your game because your back got stuck in the net behind home plate. Behind you. <laughs> like that's just not what is supposed to happen. Anyway, Jeff, so you are in lovely uh, Central Jersey about yeah, to no, Actually, it's it's uh, right outside of Trenton. Okay, so and you are about to enjoy the Special Olympics. Correct. Why don't you Special tell our Olympics. listeners a little bit about what's going on this weekend? It's uh, it's the 2017 uh, Special Olympics New Jersey Summer Games. So there's going to be t- about 2,500 athletes joined by uh, uh, about the same number of uh, volunteers and coaches and about, uh, I don't know, 10,000 uh, spectators. 
the the uh, the athletes are going to compete in uh, aquatics, bocce, gymnastics, powerlifting, softball, tennis, and track and field, and it's all at the the College of New Jersey in Ewing, and it's free. It goes from uh, uh, the the competition starts tomorrow from eight to four. Tonight at seven thirty, they do the uh, opening ceremonies, which is a really beautiful um, event, just like the opening ceremonies of the uh, International Olympics. Different colors and and flags and banners and uh, with the state police and uh, uh, police departments from all over the state. Uh, lining both sides of the track, and the the athletes uh, come right in the middle, getting high five from from everyone, and then the the police officers get and the F- FBI too. They get to hand out the medals tomorrow and Sunday. And you're going to be the my, proud my, parent there to watch your daughter, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it feels so good when when she wins, and she she used to compete in track and field, and has has won a lot of medals. This is her second year with bocce. But when when she's up there uh, with her her teammates, and uh, they they put a, a gold medal around her neck, I mean, if if it, it feels us, it feels great for us too. It's well, it's a really emotional kind of uh, thing. Well, we look forward to when you join us in studio next week. A full report on what happened, what you saw, okay. the color of what went on, and uh, we hope you enjoy your time with your family. Don't worry, Thank Jeff. Jeff and I won't. Sc- Jeff and I won't screw the show up too much while you're gone. Uh, you'll be fine. Have a great show. Talk to you guys later. Take it easy. Have a good one. Take care, Jeff. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. So now we told him we won't screw up the show, so we have to continue to do good things. Okay. All right. Well, okay. So if if you were commissioner, we're going to do a a big hypothetical. Mm-hmm. What would you do to change baseball? Because baseball is doing a lot of things to try and change themselves. Let's I'm talk about I'm not going to reinstate Pete Rose if that's what you're going to ask. Okay, I wasn't going to go there, but um, now you've put that on the table. Yeah. So let's talk about things on the field with the play of the game that that baseball is considering now that we've talked about the Phillies and how they're doing and how they're playing. Um, what is baseball considering doing right now? Well, the first thing they're thinking about doing is a pitch clock, which if, if anybody's been to Citizen Bank Park recently, they, there is there are pitch clocks around. Sort of like a uh, shot clock in basketball? Correct. And okay. so I think it's 20 seconds. And then there's also a period of time in between innings. Would they have to freeze the clock if Franco's back got stuck in the net? <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> you keep going. But, but, but there's no penalty right now. The, the penalty is supposed to be, if they implement this, is that it's just an automatic ball. Okay. And, and I think this would be a great thing because... You know, I've seen a lot of minor league development and sit there and see they constantly are on these pitchers, get the ball and throw, get the ball and throw, and they get to the majors and they don't. And it's partly the batter's fault, too. Odubel Herrera takes forever when he's up there. He he makes Nomar Garcia par, if you remember. He used to do the, each the, of his batting the gloves. The batting gloves yeah. on and off. I yeah. hated that. you you, you, you got to make the game move quicker somehow. But I heard this weird thing, which is – and I'm for this. I don't know about you, but I am I am completely for the pitch clock. I don't think it's the be-all, end-all. I don't think it's going to cut an hour off of the game. But I heard the players were thinking about something else, which I thought was interesting and somewhat controversial, especially if you're an umpire, which is the idea of an electronic strike zone. So uh, Technology strikes again. Yeah, so when we're all sitting on our couches instead of at the game and they have the little box there that tells you how many times the umpire is wrong about about his call, now they they want the players would like to have a situation where it just electronically tells you. 
and that would speed it up a lot. So the players would like that. The umpires would not. Of course not. they don't want that. Uh, Major League Baseball, where do they stand on this? I haven't heard anything yet. Okay, is that a rule that you would adopt? I don't know. It It is so Because you're like a baseball guy. You love to go watch the games. You, I'm a traditionalist. And, yeah, but, but, but that's same, why I ask you, because yeah, but, you're, you like the way the game is and has been, and is, yeah, is but that I, progress? But I also recognize that I, I'm I'm not the future of baseball. No, uh, no. So am I? So it, no, it, I'm not either. No, you're not. Either. <laughs> so it's 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 our kids that are, and, okay. and for our kids, everything is is everything has to be now. I mean, I sit there and I watch soccer and go, okay, they score once a game. Somehow, kids like it. It's a quicker game. They see something that I don't necessarily see is what is action, but they want everything condensed. And baseball is just way too much downtime. I think football is going to have that same problem at some point, too, because there's a lot of downtime. With football. Well, football is trying to do that where they've changed it this year. They won't have the kickoff where they go to commercial, come back for one play, and then go back to the commercial. Mm-hmm. You're seeing some of the sports try and do the the picture-in-picture picture now uh, where they – I mean, I, racing does it a lot where they'll go to commercial and they'll continue to show you the race in a box while they have all their ads Because so going. much stuff happens. You, you can't you know, miss it. Look, I, I get that people like to rip racing. Uh, it's pretty talented to be able to oh, do some I, of I that think, stuff. Oh, I think the endurance that they need to do and the mental endurance as well. I mean, I get amazing, the, the left turn stuff, but I, I lived in the Midwest for a few years mm-hmm. and, and got to see some of the fans that are really involved in it. So I try not to, you know, it's not always my thing, but I do remember growing up watching the Indy 500 all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always loved watching that race with my brother when we were But younger. it's just one race. It is one race. Right. And so it's not. Gonna it's like the triple crown. Nobody pays attention to the, any of the three other races other than those three, unless somebody doesn't win the first two, and then nobody watches. Like, does anybody know that the Belmont's coming up? Well, no, because there isn't a chance for a triple crown. Right, which is so, a shame. Yes, it which, is. It, but it should. It, Belmont. I mean, the crowd there is great. The weather should be good this weekend. Mm-hmm. So it should be a really good atmosphere. We've got two minutes before we. Well, I have another go to commissioner break. thing. Which I is, know, and this is what I want to ask you about. Okay, Ryan Howard's career mm-hmm. basically ended, according to an article, with the shift and from the shift. And yeah, it's a great article. And the and Major League Baseball is thinking of potentially banning the shift, or you would like no, to ban no, the shift? No, no, I, I haven't heard Major League Baseball. So you, say this is the Jeff Cohen. This role. is the Jeff Cohen thing. Okay, umpire I, Cohen. I, I, not an umpire, commissioner. Commissioner Cohen. Nobody listens to the umpire. Okay, so you want a better title? Yes. Yeah, so commissioner I, so I want, Cohen. I want, also want his salary. Okay. Okay. But you want his salary? Okay. The, the commissioner. You yeah. go ahead. So I think that what they should do is they should ban the shift. Just like they don't allow zones in basketball, they shouldn't allow a shift. So a shortstop can't go past second base. That, that everybody should be have to Can't step. have 10 people on the right side no, of the infield? No, it really ruins the game. I mean, yeah, the answer is, hey, batter, learn to hit it to the other side. But the reality of the situation is, is that every hitter has certain propensities. And to change the game of baseball to make it half a field i i know that when i watch a player who's who's hitting who's hitting into a shift that it's an almost an automatic out is this spoken as a ryan howard fan who wanted to see his career better or as a baseball fan who just can't see both because when when you see somebody when you see a shift go on do you automatically assume there's less of a chance that there's going to be a hit yeah, I always sit there and go, boy, he should hit it to the open, and he never does. Right, or they should bunt it over there is always the answer because it's always you know, a, a home run hitter, and they say, oh, he should just bunt it over there a couple times, and that'll fix it. No, it won't. No, that won't change yeah, anything. Exactly. Jeff, why don't you take us to break, and as we head to break, when we come back, we'll have plenty more to talk about on all these topics. So you're listening to The Heart of Sports on 610 AM Sports. It's time for a short break. We'll be back faster than a Mikhail Franco flying bat. <laughs> 
Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. Great to be back with you on the Heart of Sports on 610 AM Sports. I'm Jeff Cohen along with Jason Springer. Jeff Rutberg is off this week proudly repping the Heart of Sports at the New Jersey Special Olympics. And we're glad he was able to call in and join us, talk about his daughter. We know he's a proud dad. Uh, we hope he's one of those good parents that um, is um, good in the audience that we've talked about. And, you mean uh, you don't think that he'll be like the LeVar Ball? I don't believe that Jeff Rutberg and LeVar Ball's names normally appear in the same sentence. They're not really similar type parents of athletes. Let's just say that. I don't know. Jeff might have said some controversial things this week. <laughs> Nothing like LeVar does. Okay, so we're two weeks from the NBA draft. Could be a day from the end of the NBA Finals. Let's talk Finals first. Entertaining in spurts, but blowouts are the story. 18 three-pointers in Game 2, setting an NBA record for Golden State. They also set another record for being 15-0 and right now in the NBA playoffs. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, 132 points for the Warriors in Game 2, most by any team in the NBA Finals since June 4th, 1987. Don't just put us out of our misery already. It's, you want to, you, okay, is it something, people complain about the dominance and that it's not good. Can you respect how good the quality of play is that they're playing? I don't have a problem with the dominance. Okay, what's your problem? I just don't want to watch it. Okay. I mean, players are entitled to go wherever they want to go. There's no problem with that. Teams should try to make themselves as good as possible, and it's not it's not the good team's fault when they have a better general manager than team like Sam Hankey. LeBron co- no. kind of said that in terms of uh, Kevin Durant going to Golden State. He didn't really blame him for doing it. I don't I don't blame him for doing it. I don't yeah, think but Le- it... LeBron also and and I like LeBron, but but he talks through both sides of his mouth because uh, he's saying that somehow. What Durant did is not different is different than what he did in Miami. It's well, it is. Thing. Durant went to a team that was built off the draft. He built a team together in Miami, <laughs> okay. so it is different. But I actually a, give Durant more outcome. credit for going and finding a team that was on the rise and building with that, where he can now be there as a cap player on that team that they can extend, or he can take a pay cut as he'd like mm-hmm. to be there as this young team that 
has the potential to really just be dominant for the next couple of years continues to rise. More than that. I mean, these are all young guys. They Who, are. Who's, who's old on that team? Even uh, Kerr's not that old. So yeah, it's it's uh, it, the it NBA is going to have to contend with the Golden State Warriors for many years to come. No but but, te- but what's the difference between the Golden State Warriors and the Celtics, the Bird Celtics, or the Magic Lakers, or the Jordan Bulls, or the the Moses Malone Sixers? I mean, every every generation or every five to ten years, and and you can put in for an eighteen year period the San Antonio Spurs, but it just seems that everybody has a problem with the players and the teams for doing this when every generation has this. There's nobody in our lifetimes that can't say, I remember this team. I think there's more outlets outlets for those dissenting voices to be heard now. Yeah. I, I, I think that that's what contributes to it is that people can immediately go and vent on social media about the blowout. They don't even have to wait to read to the next the newspaper the next day where they're told what happened. They can provide their own commentary on it in real time, and that allows them to have a take where it didn't used to be like that with some of these dominant teams. So well, I think here's I know this is going to be going back a little bit, but I, I I really believe that everything that has happened with college basketball and the players coming out so early is really hurt the NBA, NBA game. And it's really created part of this situation. And the reason I say that is, is, is that when people were coming out later, you really knew what you got. Right now what you have is a whole bunch of 18-year-old kids who you have no idea what their bodies are going to end up with, what their games can, they haven't had any time to develop their games other than in high school where they're the star and they don't really have to develop them. Well, I think that's so, a pretty it, it, so you it's get a crapshoot when you do that. You you don't develop players. So not only physically, but mm-hmm. their game, their skill level, they don't learn the game of basketball as well when they're only there for a one and done to have it be a conduit right. to getting so in the draft. But so it makes it a bigger risk. So, so how would you do that if you again, Commissioner Cohen? How would oh, you? Oh, now I get now I get that they pay even more, so I'll take that. You job. can double dip and take all these <laughs> salaries that you want. What would you do in your world to change? I don't look. Part of me is because you're a lawyer, so know, you can't I'm, just say I'm, I'm an attorney. Yes. So it, it's you know, part of me says they have the right to go in, get a job just like everybody else, and they shouldn't have to go to school. But the the sports fan in me says it's bad for them and it's bad for us. Be, and, and it's bad for the NBA. There's and and I and I heard that that they are thinking of dealing with this again, but I don't know how they're going to. Once you let this can of worms out, you can't then put it back. And I and I don't know. I don't know if the D League is the answer, but I know that we're about to go through another draft, and it's all going to be a bunch of kids with a lot of potential. But two through eleven, how many of those kids are going to end up as stars? Maybe two or three of them. Well, it'll depend and, on the team they go to in their development. You, right. you make a point, but I don't know what the solution is. Either do I. I and that's why it's hard to complain about is I don't know what the No, it's easy to is. complain about it. It's very easy. I mean, I could do that all day long. Yeah, I just don't but, have a good, but, good answer to But we to try it. to have an answer to these things, but, but there, I don't know if there is an answer. So here's the thing. Despite the blowouts and the, the play and everything, mm-hmm. people are watching. The first two games of the finals were the most watched since Michael Jordan's final championship in 1998. Nearly 20 million people watch Golden State's two home wins. They're not watching for teams. That's that's the other thing about the NBA is you're not watching for, at this point, if people are watching these games, they're not watching because they want good basketball or because they're watching good basketball. They're watching because their favorite players are playing. So you have KD, you have Steph Curry, 
You have LeBron James. And, and right there is major international star power. But the league markets that. Yeah. They market right. personalities in term, in st- they, as they say, they market the name on the back instead of the team name on the front. And they have to because because of this situation. What I wish we had is at least some competition. Yes, I want the Sixers to be in this this group of teams. But I at least, if it's not going to be them, there's got to be at least two teams in each in each conference, and that's what you had when you had when you had the Bird Celtics. You also had the Magic Lakers, and you also had the 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 Moses Malone Sixers and Dr. J and that whole group. So there were teams that competed, while ultimately it was you know the Celtics had their dominance, and each of the teams had their dominance. The, the fact is you had that competition, and the thing about Kevin Durant, and I said this last week, Kevin Durant's move changed that whole dynamic. If he stays at Oklahoma City, the, you have Oklahoma City, you have San Antonio, you have Golden State, all that are competing against each other in the Clippers, but ultimately they, they'll find some way to lose. And, and then <laughs> the East, you have you still have just LeBron. So is Kevin Durant vindicated? Yeah, I think... Uh, well, I didn't think he did anything wrong to begin with. Okay. I mean, he didn't want to, he obviously didn't want to play with Westbrook. He wanted to go someplace where he thought he had a chance to win and he's not riding coattails. It's not it's not No, like, he's lead, I mean, he's leading the team. He he was the guy with the ball in his hands for the last shots in game 3. Yeah, I mean, there are guys like Carl Malone who was a great player, but at the end of his career he tried to ride the coattails of others to get a championship. Charles Barkley tried to do that with Houston. Charles Barkley, big NHL hockey fan. There you go. <laughs> I have no idea how that happened in this playoffs, by the way. I turn on NHL, and I see Charles Barkley in the studio. I was very confused He's for that. a big country music fan, I think. All right, let's talk about how the Sixers are going to get better. They got the draft coming up in just uh, under basically two, two weeks. weeks. We'll yep. be two weeks from yesterday. We'll be in the NBA draft two weeks from yesterday. Are the Sixers open to trading the number three pick? Brian uh, Colangelo said that they've gotten some good offers. More exciting there, thank you thinking of trading some of their four second-round picks. I don't know why that's even a story. But yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's like, what are you going to do with that? But, uh, but here's my problem you... with that. Um, if you like a player, like uh, if they can get five and ten, that's, which, that's is, which is generally what, what – that's what I asked you about. Yeah. So the talk potentially is that Sacramento may like De'Aaron Fox, mm-hmm. and they would want to get above the team picking fourth in order to ensure they get him, Which and they have Phoenix, the right? and yeah, and they have the fifth and the tenth pick in the draft, mm-hmm. and they could potentially be willing to move five and ten for three. I would do that. You would do that. Yeah, but but if if they really like a player, and it was it's moving down and then getting something in two thousand twenty seven, I don't want to see them do that. I want them to, and I don't want them not to pick a guy at three, that everybody says is a seven or eight. Because that's so you don't want them to reach just to say that they kept the third pick and made a pick. No, but I also don't. I don't think it's a reach if if you take a guy third that other people think is seventh. If Malik Monk is the answer, and to me he's the answer. He's the he's the pure shooter. shooter. The only gripe I have about him is if you go back and look at his tape, for some reason he doesn't use that, and he is quick. He doesn't use the athleticism to go to the rim as much as he should. Would you take the chance that he's there at five? Is that I, is that I a? I think he I think he might be because if you look at the as long as it depends on what the Lakers do. If they take Lonzo, if the Lakers, but if the Lakers trade down, then I'm a little bit worried because there's been rumors that the Lakers might trade down. So if if they if they do that, that changes everything. 
But if everything stays the way it is, you have Fultz going one, no-brainer. Then you have Ball probably going second. If it's not him, it's going to be Josh Jackson going second, right? So then third, if you trade, you know that they're going to take Fox. And then the question is, who's going to, who's going to pick fourth, it's, and, and it, are they going to take Monk? And I don't think they will. I think Tatum seems to be the guy that's moving up the board now. Well, we will definitely talk more Sixers in the next two weeks leading up to and following the draft. Got about five minutes left in the show, Jeff. Six minutes. There are two golfers that will not be participating in the U.S. Open Golf Championship. Two. For two different reasons. One of them, their golf clubs are lost. Right? Oh, then? that. Well, that wasn't a. That was. A, that. <laughs> that is one. Of, I, I'm not going to say the name of the airline. He he made a point too, but I, the poor guy was going to qualifying. There is a tournament you can go to to qualify for the U.S. Open. And they lost his golf clubs, and he either he couldn't get another set, or he just said, "I can't play with somebody else's golf clubs." So he didn't even rent them, and then he sent a thank you note to the airline <laughs> that was not a real thank you. Note. All right, Mr. Lawyer, does he have a case against the airline here? <laughs> <laughs> well, reading pain that in the back of the ticket, they would, they would say no, but but I would think that the the damage done to the airline is already evident. Oh yeah, that, yeah. that type of criticism. Okay, so the other golfer who will not be playing in the U.S. Here, Open is Phil Mickelson. But, but I do have a question about. Okay. That. Okay. So. We all know how reliable the airlines are with baggage, right? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, okay, but Philadelphia assume, baggage. Assume, yeah, exactly. <laughs> assume you know what I'm talking about. If if you're a professional golfer and there's something that big, either have somebody drive them there or UPS them or FedEx them, something. Don't put them on the airplane. My guess is he's not checking his golf clubs again. <laughs> Ever again. I mean, that's a lesson He'll learned. He'll ride right a bicycle there. with those golf clubs So I'm not a professional, but I uh-huh. might not check my my golf clubs if I travel and go to right. play. Okay, so Phil Mickelson is not going to play in the U.S. Open. Kind of respect what he's doing. He's going to go watch his daughter graduate. Uh, look, I mean, Phil Mickelson's a different kind of case. He's gone through a lot with his family. As everybody knows, his wife was very sick for a while. Um, she's recovered. And and he's got a chance to to go and see his daughter graduate, and he's made the decision, I'm not going to play in the U.S. Open. He could lose, you know, a million dollars plus and the prestige of, of playing and winning a U.S. Open. You good with that decision? I am. I am, too. I, 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 what family means a lot, and, and he, he has a chance to do that. The question isn't the issue of Phil Mickelson because that's an individual he's an sport. Indi- yeah, right? exactly. He's not the, in a team sport. The, the, but only, if you're, the only it, other person he's hurting is Caddy. Yeah. And as, I'm sure his Caddy is fine with him. And anybody who is planning to place a wager on Phil Mickelson in the tournament. Well, you, you have a chance now to take the money out, <laughs> I think. I, I don't know. You might want to call your local bookie <laughs> call, people. I call, don't know. Call your local gambler. Right. Yeah. But, but the question is, how does that relate to team sports? And would, would it be okay if for some reason some – Big sports events, team event, happen to be when somebody's I kids graduate. You see it regularly with the paternity leave when with when athletes go out. There are the jokes that come about the stereotypes around family mm-hmm. and and people taking leave and they should be committed to their job as if they're not because they want to be with their family. So I think that's an issue you see in sports a lot. I think that people generally don't have as much of an issue, like you said, with Phil Mickelson because it's an individual sport. Mm-hmm. So the impact is on what it's on the end result in terms of who gets prize money if you have a local sports team if your center on your on your hockey team is playing in one of the the big playoff games and and he decides he's not going to be there you're going to feel the same way i don't know i mean if, if the flyers were in the, if the flyers were in the playoffs shane gossespierre uh his wife was giving birth 
or graduation. I don't know if there's a difference between the two to, to, to people listening. There would be plenty of people who would have an issue with that. You know, yeah. I think everybody likes to think that they would be understanding and that they would support it. But I think the nature of fandom, you just can't see well, past Well, we kind of had this with Randall Cunningham, right? Yes. So so we've, we've been through it and people had an issue with it. I think that... We survived, right? We did survive. But I think times are a little different now. But they're not so different that there wouldn't be a lot of people griping. Because what happens if whoever's next in line happens to be the one that screwed up and gave up the goal before we leave mike schmidt bobblehead night is in about a month uh not the best timing is, is his is his mouth taped off and not the best timing for the phillies there uh who had some comments that uh schmidt made on another radio show this week uh interpreted against odubel herrera uh, and whether the language barrier would cause him not to be able to be a leader on the team he since apologized to herrera who's also come out and talked about it. Jeff, your thoughts? Did you have problems with it? What's yeah, your... I, well, I, I think that this is another old-school guy who doesn't like the bat flip, and I think that's kind of where it stems from. Um, but I thought the, the comment itself went beyond that and was quite ignorant to say. I think there's plenty of other reasons why you could think he's not going to be the leader of this team uh, in terms of his play on, on the team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can really take the language barrier, especially when a third of the locker room speaks Spanish uh, and and major leagues, you have a significant portion. Plus, my understanding is he speaks English um, and understands English. He just doesn't reply. The comment just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, did people think, do people think Dirk Nowitzki was, was not a leader for the Mavericks because he was from Germany? Did people overreact to it? Well, you saw headlines way. that came out that said Mike Schmidt makes racist comment. He came out and said that he had no intention of doing that. No, was, I don't. Th- I, look, I, I, I try not to, to point racism at the direction of everything. I do think it was an ignorant comment. I, but I, I think for Schmidt, and again, I, I don't want to say what his motive really is because I don't know. But, but it seems to me that Schmidt has a problem with younger players who like to show off a lot. And I think it all stems from the bat flip. Because he doesn't say that about Mikel Franco. No, he said that Mikel Franco is a building block for the team. And then he thought he was going to be the MVP. By the way, he was wrong about that. Any final thoughts (laughs) before we leave our listeners this week? Uh, First of all, I just want to do a personal note, which is uh, happy birthday to my son. There you go. Good dad. And happy anniversary to my wife. Oh, and good husband. Look at you. You, You're covering all your bases That's right. And we're going to be spending it at a Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs game. I don't know if that's how your wife would like to well, spend that's for the night his with birthday. you, but, but, but your son will enjoy that. And we'll be seeing Tom Eshelman, so I will be texting you, and you could uh, get I, those I look forward to the minor league report. Happy birthday and anniversary to your family. Good luck to Jeff's daughter and all the athletes competing in the Special Olympics this weekend. Thank you all for joining us this week on The Heart of Sports. Make sure to join us next Friday night, and we'll help you start your weekend in style. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.